Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, y'all. I hope y'all are ready to make some noise. Kenyatta Spence, are you ready? Shake Anderson, are you ready? And Mr. Talking Noise himself, Lloyd Spence, are you ready? If you clicked on this podcast, then that must mean that you're ready for Talking Noise, the daily podcast. Well, if you're ready, then come on. Let's make some noise. That music, that sound you hear is Talking Noise, live today. Not taped, not recorded. We are live on our Facebook page, The Noisemakers, and you can just go to Facebook and find that page, The Noisemakers, and see all of our wonderful content, all of the shows that we have. Uh, You can see it and see all the wonderful things we do and conversations that we have sports, entertainment, fun stuff, all that stuff. But today, we are here for very serious purposes. Uh, we got the crew in the building, uh, the lovely Miss Kenyatta Spence, a.k.a. Mrs. Talking Noise. We've got the incomparable legend, Shake Anderson, in the building. And we got some incredible special guests with us today from the city of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he is a business consultant par excellent. He is an author. He is a former pastor. He is just an all-around amazing human being. He is one of my friends, and uh, I love him dearly, and I'm glad he could join us today. He is Gary Spots is with us today. A shout-out to Mr. Gary Spots there. We see you here, sir. Thank you. And then, of course, we have my mentor, my big brother in media, uh, the former editor-in-chief and legendary writer himself, Mr. Benny Ivory is joining us as well. Hello, Benny. Hey, peace. <laughs> he hit us with the peace. That's that's retro, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's appropriate today. That's how I end all of my messages. It, you know what? That is very true, Gary. It is very appropriate, especially with what we are discussing today. And we are here today to talk about uh, today's topic, actually, is going to be, uh, I thought it would be appropriate for us to go live today because uh, yesterday, right around this, about the same time of the day, breaking news all over the world, uh, the city of Louisville decided that it was going to pay a settlement to the Breonna Taylor family. Breonna Taylor and her family was given a settlement of $12 million. That is, in all, by, by what we know uh, right now, that is the largest payout settlement in the history of Louisville. And dare I say, it may be the largest payout to a uh, black family in these particular circumstances. So we, we are, I think, I think there are several media outlets that are trying to confirm that now, but it is a, it is a significant, significant payment. And then also there was uh, police reform that was added to the settlement. 
Uh, and I'll just read through the three most significant parts of the police reform that was set up in the city of Louisville. One was they're giving a housing credit. They established a housing credit program for officers who would like to live in the areas that they serve. Uh, they are going to use social workers to provide uh, support to certain police officers on certain runs. And finally, and maybe the most significant of the three, uh, the commanding officers of each precinct are going to review and approve every search warrant before it gets judicial approving. So let's start right there with the settlement itself. Uh, and I'd love to get everybody's thoughts on what you heard when you heard about the settlement itself. And I'll start with Mr. Gary Spots there. What, did you, what were your thoughts when you heard about the settlement itself? I really, um, let, me, let, me, let me contextualize my response. Okay, and that is my son was murdered in 2015, yeah. the Saturday following Thanksgiving uh, by we don't know who. And um, so, if, if I was, if for some set of circumstances, I was given $12 million uh, in, as, a, as a way, as some kind of recompense for the loss of my son's life, that would not uh, in any way satisfy or assuage or soothe or salve the grief and the pain that I, his son and our family has felt. So uh, $12 million is a large sum of money, but it's pennies by comparison to what is our, you know, other people had in their, you know, for many people that's just walking around money. For this family, it is life-changing, but it cannot return or bring back the life that was taken away. So, you know, um, I pray that they, that they manage that properly and that they use it to prosper their family and, and give them the kinds of opportunities that uh, they otherwise would not have had. But I'm, I'm, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to uh, express joy over a $12 million settlement, uh, given what had to occur for that money to be paid. Yeah. So uh, that, that's kind of how I see it. it it's, um, it's a sad reality and it and it's not in any way compensation for the loss of life yeah benny what when, benny what are your thoughts on that as well i i completely well, I, I share some of uh gary's thoughts on that you know one of the things it's impossible to put to place value on human life to begin with especially a young person who's really just starting out in life uh, I tell you what uh, bothers me is that we talk about, and it really struck me the wrong way when I read it, that this was a large, one of the largest, maybe the largest settlements for a black victim of a police shooting. There's something about that phrase that just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It's just... Um, you know, I, I don't know if that was intentional or what, but it just struck me the wrong way. Mm. 
Wow. And uh, but as far as the settlement itself, frankly, I I I thought it was lowballed. Uh, I thought that uh, you know, knowing the things that we know, we don't know we don't know everything, and that's one of the issues with this case. Uh, but we do know that Brianna Taylor was killed in her home that she wasn't committing any crime. Uh, we do know that. And she was she was killed in a very brutal fashion. There's no mistaking that. So, uh, and, 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 and to my way of thinking, the, the $12 million, which is a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but it just didn't seem, it just didn't seem enough to me. Yeah, Kieta, uh, uh, Shake, what are your thoughts on all this as well? Your initial reaction to uh, hearing that? Ken. Might might add just one thing to that. Oh yeah, man. Now the the attorneys are going to get one third of that amount. So yeah, that's man. a great point. That's a, that is a great. Yeah. So really, nine million dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And Kieta, taxes. Yeah, and then taxes. Yeah, Kieta, what are your thoughts on this? I looked at it from a perspective of a mom. Excuse me. $12 million could not satisfy me. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm thankful that they did something. They're saying they're putting in all these um, plans to do better and plans to bring in social workers and stuff. But loss of life is loss of life. Yeah. And I just. I, I I was like, is there any way that you could fight for, you know, do, do you have to take it? I mean, is it, is it, mm. I mean, I'm not saying that they, they're not, may, you know, maybe they're in some type of financial um, situation because they're having to pay all these lawyers and so forth. But I, just the thought of, the loss of a child and for them to have decided the amount of that child's value. Mm. I mean, they were like, well, like, where's the money coming from? Well, we're going to have 5 million come from insurance and 5 million is going to come from, you know, this and five. And, and, and the people were like, so taxpayer money. So the taxpayers are paying for this. Not, not, it's not coming out of the police fraternal order, of, you know, fraternal order police, uh, uh, you know, not coming out of their personal, you know, the account for police. It's not coming out of that to show them this is what's going to happen if you continue on this path is that we're going to drain money out of the police department. Um it's 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 emotional. Yeah. 
it's emotional. That was my, my thought. It was emotional. I was just standing there. Like my eyes were just so wide, like, okay, what are we talking about here? And they're like, you know, and it's $12 million. And I'm like, $12 million. And like Benny said, um, black family, <laughs> like a white family would have said, now, you know what? $12 million is not enough. And we gonna fight for the rest of it. Jay, what are you thinking? You know, I'm, I'm gonna go a different route with this in terms of the context. Because here's where I here's what falls for me. I have a 13 year old son, who I would die for. Who who I live for right now. And it really doesn't matter who it is, but if you came to me and you said, "Shake, you're having some issues financially. You're having some problems with this and so, and you have dreams to do various things." Here's a check for $12 million and we're going to kill your son. Hmm. I wouldn't take it. Right. But not only that, um, you know, when I, when I, I, I get labeled a lot of times as a cynic or negative, but I just see what I see in any term. I see money involved in matters like this. It becomes, okay, shut up. We've paid you. It becomes, okay, we don't, we don't have to hear from that entity anymore. It be, there, there's this weird quelling of forces that takes place whenever there's a settlement involved. And again, it's been, it's already been stated. I certainly understand Ms. Palmer her position, the mother of the, of the daughter. You know, my child is gone and I've got all these things happening. But I was looking at a um, uh, article the other day and the young man that was, was uh, murdered in Florida. Uh, Trayvon? Trayvon. Yeah. Yeah. His family, you know, they, they ended up getting something, but it really wasn't much. Right. But at one point, they were offered a settlement, and they declined it. They said, "No, we're going to keep on fighting this thing. We're going to keep because you you are not going to wipe out the memory of my son. You are not going to displace what we have going right now as in terms of what where we're trying to what we're trying to achieve with dollars." Yeah. And unfortunately. Um, we have now again, I don't know a whole lot about the AG, but it seems to me that this is one of those situations where eventually you're gonna have to pay the piper. And I think this guy's so far um, up somebody's behind that not only is he not willing to move, but I, he's paralyzed. And I don't, I, I just, to me, the settlement, it just spoke of things to come, which to me can't be positive. They can't be good. You know, when I'm looking at the, whatever these reforms are supposed to be, 
And I'm, in my mind, I'm going, first of all, who, what cop in his right, what cop is going to want to live in the neighborhood they serve? They usually send the, the meanest, worst cops to the neighborhoods where, the, where there's high crime. Right. They don't send compassionate people who want to understand the community and want to be a part of it and want to help. They don't send those kind of police officers. So, it, it, you know, I, that's the cynic in me. I really do my prayers that Ms. Palmer can use the money and achieve great things with it, that she can keep the memory of her daughter alive um, and that eventually something else does come of this. But, you know, uh, having watched this, not just from afar, but from up close, I, there's no, I don't have a lot of hope in that. Yeah. You know, I, when I, the, my initial reaction when I heard about the settlement was, so now let's take a quick review. We've, 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 we've created a law that says you can't no knock. We've, uh, uh, fired a couple of the cops that were involved in the circumstances so there was enough evidence to fire a couple of cops. We fired the chief of police and now we're paying them $12 million. But we don't have enough evidence yet or, or the investigation is not quite complete yet to, to bring charges toward these cops. It, th this whole thing, as you know, as crazy as Trayvon Martin was in that whole circumstance, as crazy as Michael Ferguson was, uh, or Michael Brown was in Ferguson, and that whole circumstance, and we can go all the way down the list. This one might be the one of the most bizarre because it seems it's pretty cut and dry. And the city of Louisville, let's be clear, nobody is paying anybody twelve million dollars if they don't know something is not right. They're not just handing out twelve million dollars down at City Hall to random people because something is not right. That's not how this works. There are crimes committed in Louisville every single day. Nobody's getting $12 million checks. So the fact that the city had enough evidence, but the AG still is in question, it just feels like games are being played with people's lives. And that's the part, that was my initial reaction. Like, why are we playing, why are we playing games with these people's lives? This is a this is a child. This is somebody's child. And Gary, I man, I I I didn't know if you would share that today, but I appreciate you sharing your truth today because that I know that your story. And and you can't play. That's my child, man. That's my child. That is my baby. So you you've taken my baby away from me, and you're writing me a check to say I'm sorry. I, I I'm struggling with this gentleman. I'll be honest with you. And I don't, and, and, I, and I have a feeling, and now here's where my reveal comes from. And by the way, I know there are people watching live. If you want to go in the comments, uh, in the chat and, and comment to us, feel free to do so. Uh, we'd love to read some of your stuff online. But I, here's my reveal. With all that has taken place, with all of this right now, it feels like this is going to end bad. It really does. I'm just, I'm just, I, 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 and maybe I'm shaking out just be the cynics and the skeptics together today, but it just feels like this is going to end very, very badly. And dare I say, because there, if you guys watched the press conference, there was a young lady there. I forget what organization 
that she represented, but she turned to the mayor and said, there will yeah. be no peace without yeah. justice. I'm letting you know, she looked him in his eye and said it, there will be no peace without justice. I, I think this is gonna end with a city in flames. I really do. And, 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 and that's scary to me because we don't need any more loss of life. We don't need any more uh, uh, destruction or anything like that. But, but man, when people are tired, when people are frustrated, when people are, are, are feel like they've had enough and, and they don't know what else to do, man, they scream and they scream loud and they, and they let their voice and their, and their feelings and their emotions be heard. And I think that is where we're headed. And, and I, I just feel like this is going to end bad. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts as to where you think all of this is going. Like, do you feel like we're headed towards something that's going to resolve it? Or is it going to, before we get to that resolve, is there going to be like a moment that is kind of unprecedented? Well, not unprecedented. We've seen cities burn before. But um, where do you think this is all going, guys? Yeah. Let, let me interject uh, and kind of back up a bit about the, the settlement. And that is, um, I would personally not, again, I, I try to think differently as a, as a uh, I, let me back up. I have worked very hard to think differently about things in, in the last 10, 15 years of my life uh, because of a lot of the things have had, that have happened to me in the last 10 or 15 years of my life. And one of them is, is I don't try to figure out what people are thinking. All I do is examine what they have done and mm. draw conclusions from the results of what they have done. So with regard to the settlement, I, I look at that and say, um, if the family is good with where they have landed here, then I'm good with where they have landed. I don't have an opinion I don't have a thought process about how they thought about this. Um, and and what uh, Benny said is correct. You know, the attorneys are going to get a third, in some cases get up to up, upwards of 40%, uh, depending on how far this goes into the litigation process. So, And, and by the way, Steve, they're going to pay out a ton in legal fees to fight whatever they're going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing I was going to say is, is with regard, and this is not a defense of Cameron because I have absolutely no regard for anybody who is a lieutenant of McConnell. <laughs> so, but I say this because and I'm not an attorney either, but as a consultant, I have to do a lot of research on a lot of different things, which comes from my journalistic training. Um, and that is that the burden of proof for a criminal prosecution is higher than it is for a civil prosecution, for a civil case. So in, the is, in this instance where the civil litigation has been resolved with this, uh, this payment, but the criminal case or issue has not yet been resolved, it may very well be just a matter of the different standards that are applied to a criminal prosecution as opposed to a civil uh, litigation. So, and again, I'm not an attorney, uh, but you know, I've you know, I've researched and read, and I did have one class on the 
Law of Journalism at the University of Kentucky School of Journalism. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, but uh, so th that th again, I don't. I'm not trying to make any decisions about how or why they arrived and where they arrived. It's that family's decision, and I just look at what they've done and say, if you're good with it, if like I used to tell my pat my my members, if you like it, my dear, I love it. You know, <laughs> if that's what you want to do, then you know, I, you know, you know what I what I've told you and what I've tried to share with you. But if you like it, I love it. So that's kind of the way I feel about that. I do believe this about in reference to what you said a moment ago, Lord, about the about what what this is going to mean for not only our city, but uh, for the rest of the country where we're seeing all of these things uh, flame up. Um, and, I, and, I, and at some point in the future, later in our conversation, I'd like to talk about some of the things that me and my colleagues, pastors, and, uh, have been talking about in, re, in the last few months about or, or, that are swirling around these things. So, but I, I really do think that, you know, depending on how Cameron comes down on this and what the grand jury does, if there's no bill, meaning there will not be a prosecution and so on and so on and so on, then we are going to see more violence. We're going to see uh, an uprising of sorts that we've not yet seen before. Uh, I think uh, what I would hope is, is that those folk who are out there on the front line of that, so to speak, uh, do it wisely and go into the places where they can make the most impact. Uh, to, to achieve the change that they say they want. And don't burn down in your mama's house. Right, 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 right. Denny, what, what do you think, man? Where you, you, you're a legend in this thing. You've been in journalism uh, uh, years. I won't, I'll, I'll let you qualify your years. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but what, you've seen a lot of things, man. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, where do you think this is going? I, I, um, I mean, I mean, who knows what what the outcome may be, but I've got, I guess I've got more faith in the, the frontline people than than some of us. I say that because you know people have been talking about rioting and looting for for weeks. There had been any rioting and looting around Louisville since, since the first couple of days. After that, it's been it's it's been pretty peaceful. There've been you know isolated incidents, sure, but I think that uh, the group until freedom has come in here, and I think that they have brought some stability and organization to what's going on, what we see out there on the street. Uh, they even when they I've noticed that when some of the demonstrators start to get out of line, they will check those people you know, to try to bring them back in line. So I think there's more, um, I guess, uh, that I think there's more discipline and uh, than, we, than, than we give them credit for. Um, I, you know, this is obviously a, a very emotional issue and, um, you know, things can go a lot of different ways. But it's, it's very true what Gary said about the, uh, you know, what this, the city was on a very different track from uh, 
what uh, Cameron is on. You know, there's a big difference between civil and and and, and uh, criminal cases. You know, one motivation. Um, I guess normally you would wait until there was a criminal char a criminal case before you settle a, a civil civil case. But one one point of view is that let's just say that the officers are charged and they're they're tried and then they're acquitted. Well, that lessens the uh, your ch the chances of success on the civil side. That I don't know if that was a consideration or not. Um, then on the other hand, if the if the char if the officers are charged and convicted, that gives the uh, the complainant on the civil side more leverage. But we we don't we have no idea where, which way that's going to go. But that may have been uh, some of the factors that they considered, and uh, you know, concluding the civil the civil side of this thing. Uh, it's just hard to get inside of people's heads, and it's almost a, a futile effort. And uh, I learned a long time ago that uh, it's best to just step back and let people do what they're going to do, and uh, you respond in the best way that you can. But I, you know, for me, I would not, I, I certainly would not like to see this city go up in flames, because that's not going to really serve a purpose. Uh, I think that um, you know this this is this is an, this is an opportunity that I'm hopeful um, that we'll see some some tangible results. I can't say that I've seen as much as I would like to have seen by this point, but uh, I think a lot of people are going to have to step forward. I think the business community is going to have to step up and uh, take some concrete steps. Because right now, this city seems to be at a complete standstill. Yeah. You know, you go downtown, everything's boarded up. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are still working from home uh, because of the virus. And, and uh, that, that, that's a real factor in this thing. But it's, you know, something has to happen to move this city forward. I always say, I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, the Breonna Taylor case is going to be with us for a long time, regardless of what what happens, what Cameron does, because there's still the FBI investigation, you know, regardless of what what Cameron does. And that's going to be around for for a while. But beyond that, um, you know, there has to be life after this case. You know, the city can't stand still. It just can't. And something, something is going to have to happen uh, for us to get past uh, where we are today. And I'm not sure who's going to take the lead on that. Uh, the mayor, I, you know, he, I guess he's trying, but it just doesn't seem like anything is happening in a very, you know, it's not happening fast enough, I guess. And I, you know, I think all of us would like to see a rapid conclusion to all of this, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But at some point, 
somebody's got to take the lead and, you know, force this thing to move forward. You know, that's a- Can I interject one last thing about grief as a parent? Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Gary. And that is, <clears throat> one of the worst things, I'm sure you all have experienced this, is when you have to, people say, well, what happened? Or what's going on? And everybody wants to talk to you about what has happened to your child. Did they catch the people? Did they this? Did they that? And as a parent, with, uh, as, a, as a person who's grieving for anyone who has suffered and died as a result of a murder or something, some violent act, at least from my vantage point, again, I can't speak for others, but I can only imagine that this may be part of why they say, okay, let's get this passed so that we can heal, so that we can begin our process. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, you, you're caught up in the investigation, you're caught up trying to find out what the police are doing, what they know. You, you know, when my son was murdered, we marshaled a team of people on the streets to start interviewing folks. You know, uh, we had those kind of connections to say, hey, I need you to go find out what what you want, what's going on, who did what, what, you know. And I had brothers out interviewing folks. So, but you need to get, you, you got to get to a point where you can move beyond that initial pain and begin to heal. And it's going to take more than six months. And this has been so much in the public view and so much in the public conversation that I cannot even imagine that that family, the mother and whoever else, the boyfriend or whatever other family members have even began the process of healing and, and moving beyond. You'll never get over it, but you can get past this very uh, intense moment in your life and and I, I you know I can imagine that that might be part of the desire just to get past it so we can start going forward as a, as a person as a family uh, in in light of what's real because you can't bring her back right it's not gonna happen so I want to I, I want to pivot just a little bit uh, just a little bit because because uh, Benny you said something that was really key and then Gary you echoed it in your own way there how where does the, the the healing and and the ability and the leadership to move on come from and i'll throw that out to shaking kenyatta first where does it come from like should that be coming from the mayor should that be coming from the faith community <clears throat> should that be um i mean where does it come from because you're right and, and i'll say this it doesn't just feel like Louisville is in limbo and in a standstill. It feels like the entire nation is in a standstill. Like we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seats going, okay, what's about to happen? What, what, what are we waiting on? Like, when is this going to come down? And, and I don't know. It just feels like, because when I say burn, it's, gonna, it's a city up in flames, I don't mean just Louisville. I think depending on how this plays out, this could be bad everywhere. Like there, this this could really erupt into a moment that 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 is pretty unprecedented. But Jake, Kenyatta, what are your thoughts as to where do we? How do we get that? How do we get that balance of, you know, leadership that kind of gets us to the other side? Is that even possible until we get kind of clarity and understanding of where this is all going? I wanna. I want to. Um, you said. Benny said something a moment ago um, that struck a chord with me. And he was saying that the businesses were boarded up and they were down. And it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't just the riots and 
the movement, but it was COVID-19 and everything. You know, man, I'm, I was uh, reminded of the Birmingham bus boycott. And when I think about how things change comes about, it's almost always painful. But one of the leading causes for change is business. When you start affecting businesses, a lot of those leaders, you know, whether they want to or not, their hands are tied. And so with the city, you know, with the rioting and the, well, it's not really what you call rioting because like Benny said, it's been relatively peaceful. And I will also add to that, that they did find that, especially those first two or three days, most of the people that were causing trouble were plants into the protest. So it wasn't even the protesters that were being- Some of them were police. Huh? Some of them were police. Yeah. yeah. So, so it wasn't even the protesters that were being uh, riotous or, or, or causing any real problems other than their presence. But I think that when business starts realizing, okay, this not only is this affecting our bottom line, but it's affecting our future, I think you'll start to see some level of change. And then the other thing is this, uh, Gary, you and I were talking at one point a, a little while back about the fact that a lot of this movement's led by youth, led by young people, it's led by fresh legs. So to me, what needs to happen is that needs to keep being the case, but we need these older individuals and older people who've not only uh, lived through these things, but who have some level of influence, be it financial, be it faith-based, be it um, 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 emotional. So they have some level um, of influence so that they can reach out to these youth, these rioters and say, hey guys, we stand with you. Now here's how we need to go about this. Because for one, um, the opposition wants this thing to turn violent. And you have to realize that going in. We can't let this thing become violent because then we lose. Because that's what they want. They want a reason to attack you. They want a reason to lock you up. They want a reason to, to close your mouth. So it has to, the, the older leadership in Louisville, and there are many names that come to mind, but so I won't say any of, any of them, but I do remember uh, as a child, there were guys who, Lewis Coleman and Charles Kirby and uh, 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 Dr. Elliot. And, you know, there were different leaders that would take on different issues. And we got things done as a result of it. Now, not always, but those are some of the voices that need to be speaking to these, you know, to these entities. Yeah. Kiana, I, what are your thoughts? I, is there a way to get to the other side and, and, you know, maybe maybe it's a group of moms coming together and uniting together and, and marching down the street. I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I watched your emotion this morning and, and and I hear you and I hear your heart. What are your thoughts? I mean, how do you how do we get how do we keep that violent thing from taking place? Or can we at this point? You know, usually I'm a person who is ready for an answer when a question has been asked. 
Um, but this is so paramount um, because the world is watching. It's not even about the city of Louisville anymore. It's the world that's watching. Brianna Taylor has been on the front of magazines around the world. She's been her her name is being worn by athletes around the world. This is this is the center stage that Louisville's on right now. And they decided to say the way we fix it is to cut the check. <laughs> That's that's the that's the solution. We're tired of being, you know, the uh, what it was it Oprah that put up the billboards all around the city, say her name and all of this. And Louisville says, cut the check. Not that we're going to, we're you know, I know it's going to come somewhere down the line. We're waiting on, you know, the uh, attorney general and, but. Your answer wasn't, let's lock them up and put them in position that they can see if you go out and just randomly shoot somebody and you took your authority and you, you shot this woman and that was innocent. And, and so instead, we just, we just kind of, you know, put you off in the background. We may fire you or whatever, but nothing's in place that says these guys can't get hired on a police department somewhere else in the nation. Mm. So we just basically said, you know, go on off into the night and we're going to cut the check and hope that this thing just uh, blows over. One, one of our uh, noisemakers commented on, they said, that is such a true statement. Anise Gray, she has commented and said, that is such a true statement, Shake. When a situation turns violent, that example is used against the peaceful protesters. It, yeah. and, and we've seen that all throughout this entire um, thing. You know, it's fascinating to me, gentlemen. Um, when all of this started back in May, this was, a, this was initially, this meaning the social injustice, the protesters, everything that's going on. Um, it was about George Floyd. Yeah. This was George Floyd. It was, and, but they got to their end far quicker. And obviously it was, the video helped tremendously. Um, but, but they got to that con, uh, resolve, not resolve totally, but at least a measure of resolve to, to kind of quill things a little bit a lot quicker than we have, uh, we being us all being from Louisville, but uh, we have in our situation uh, in, in the city that we're all from. One of the things that's interesting to me about this is, and again, I, I, I totally understand the process of the, the, the legal process and how long it takes. I get all of that. I, I'm going to tell you this, and Gary, while I, I totally understand and respect what you're saying in the sense of as a family, if y'all if y'all need the cash to get through whatever you're trying to get through and all the things that are coming down the pike, I totally understand and I get that. And this is not a knock on her as a mother, uh, Palmer, Miss Palmer, as a mother in any way, form, or fashion. But what I will say about this, speaking from the city of Louisville perspective, to me, this is just my opinion. I, I won't charge this to anybody else on this, on this podcast. Um, it's a bad look in this regard. 
you, you it, 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 to me, it says, I know we're wrong. I know we're guilty of something. And I know we need to, to, to make recompense for it. I don't know if we will, but here's what we're willing to do. And, 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 and this, to me, is not a negotiation. This is not an either or or. This is this, not an either or or in the sense of, um, well, you know, maybe we can give you choice A because we can't give you choice B. No, and I understand the anger that our young people have about there's no justice or there's no peace without justice. I get that. I hope, I pray to God they don't go violent. And I don't think they will, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I, but, but, but with having said that I don't think they will, I think it can go violent because there's enough elements out there and there's enough people disconnected from the actual movement. Because when we talk about the Black Lives Matter, when we talk about uh, is it Unite Freedom, I think is the name of the group, uh, when we talk about groups like that that are trying to do things the right way, they're, in, they're at the, 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 the center of it. But what I've noticed about the protests is that while they try to stop those guys from doing uh, criminal things, there's only so much of that stopping you can do when, when, when the emotions ramp so high. And so then you get what happened Derby weekend where you get groups like NFAC standing in the middle of, of downtown Louisville in a standoff with AK-47s. And, and I'm telling you, it, I, you know, I don't know. It just feels like we might be headed towards something that might not end well. But let me ask this question as well. What are you guys, Benny, and, and especially you and Gary, because you're there in the city right now, what is the backlash from people or what are you hearing is the backlash from people uh, with that? Because it appears that the monies is some combination of, of, of things, but maybe it was kind of paid out by the people, so to speak. So are you hearing any backlash from that and people saying, why do we do this? Why are you taking tax people, taxpayers' money to to make the sale. Now, you hear anything like that? Benny, I'll, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at uh, my social media this morning and there was a thread on there, people saying that, you know, they didn't want their taxpayer money uh, going toward the settlement. You know, a lot of, a lot of very sarcastic comments, uh, basically trolls. Well, when you look at it, I mean, this actually is being covered by insurance now uh and you you have to pay for insurance okay so uh yeah i mean taxpayers in a sense are they're paying for they're paying for the coverage you know everybody has it's just like uh you have automobile insurance you know uh and this is the kind of insurance that every municipality, responsible municipality in the country has to cover um, in cases like this. So, you know, I, I just think that um, it, a lot of people are really uninformed about who's at, where the money is actually coming from. You know, this is not going to hurt the city. No services will be lost. Uh, my garbage is going to be picked up. You know, police officers are not going to be fired. None of that's going to happen because it's it's co largely covered by by insurance. You know, let me say this: one of the things 
I've said this for a while. This this is not a local story. Uh, it, it is a, it is an international story, and there are a lot of lot of factors going, a lot of things at play here. You know, if you go back, she was killed on March March thirteenth, and it happened right about the time that uh, COVID nineteen hit. Everybody went into panic mode. The case got lost. It, it was lost. There was very low coverage, of, you know, in the local media. Right. Everybody was running, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Courier Journal, they moved out of their building. You know, to this day, everybody, all the reporters and editors, they're work, working remotely. And the TV stations, I think they did pretty much the same thing. And, uh, you know, everybody has fewer resources today than, than, than ever. And it just, it, it, frankly, it just got lost in the shuffle. Um, I'm not justifying it, but that's what happened. And I don't think it would be much of a stretch to say that the police department uh, took advantage of that situation and swept it under the rug. I think they looked at it and they said, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. And they left it there, okay. Then uh, Ahmaud Arbery was killed in Georgia. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't see, we, we saw him shot down uh, through video, not live video, but it was very clear what happened. Yeah, no question. Th then a few weeks later, George Floyd got killed. We, we saw that on live on video. So you had those two incidents that led, it, it just, it set the fire, you know, and it, the, the Brianna Taylor case came to the surface and the common denominator in all of this was the same attorney, Crump and his crew, they're handling all three of those cases, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Right. And they brought it to they brought the Brianna Taylor case to, to the fore. That's really why this thing has taken so long. You know, it's a combination of things that, that happened yet COVID not COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, you had a police department that probably was not pushing the investigation or had completed an investigation and they were, they were satisfied with, with where it was, which was, you know, swept under the rug. And then, you know, all of these other things came into play and uh, then they moved it over to Cameron's. Um, I mean, Cameron didn't ask for this case. He was he was asked to take it over. You know, I, I'm sure that he'd be real happy to give it back <laughs> at this point. Right, right, right. But, point, you know, right. if he if he right. is doing what he's supposed to do, he is double and triple, triple checking everything LMPD gave him because there's no credibility with LMPD on this issue. So- Benny, Benny let, me, let me interrupt you and I wanna ask you this. Can they regain that credibility? Because I, I I've heard a lot of things about the mayor making changes. He's trying to hire. I guess he either is trying to hire a new chief or he has hired a new chief. Well, uh, can they regain the credibility at this point? I, I think they can, but it's going to take a long time. You know, this is not a this is not a new problem with the LMPD. LMPD has been problematical for years. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Chief White was brought in here? You know, if you go back to uh, before he was he was brought in here, 
there was a, a rash of police shootings of young black men on the West End. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking fatal shootings. And, and it, it was it was a pretty it was a big story. Then uh, Chief White was brought in and he I, I, I got to know Chief White really, really well. And he and I had some long conversations about what was going on. What, what he, you know, the newspaper, we had done a series on use of force and it was, it was very revealing. And the first time I met him, uh, we had dinner at the, at the Brown in the English Grill and I gave him a copy of the series. I said, look, I said, you know, we're meeting for the first time. You don't know me. You don't, you don't know anything about me, but when you get it, get, when you get the time, read this series. So we got back together a few months later and he said, you know, Benny, he said, I read that. He said, everything in there is true. Wow. Everything in there was true. And he said that the problem was one of professionalism. And what, what he brought to the, to the police department here was he tried to make it professional. Now he didn't fix, fix it totally, but he made it a heck of a lot better. Yeah a lot better and he told me something one time that has really stuck with me and it was we we're talking about the police shootings again and he said you know uh and we were talking about you know all a police officer has to say is uh you know i feel like my life was in danger that's the threshold that's right and he told me he said you know i can arrest you for running a stop sign he said the question is should i mm. gary so, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Gary, um, I know that you, 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 uh, you got your ear to the, to the, to the community. Uh, and I, and I know that you've been working with some people. Uh, is it possible for this community to get through this and, and to come out in a healed state? And, and what are some of the efforts that you are currently a part of? And what are some of the things you're hearing could be coming down the pike? that could maybe bring a measure of healing for the little community at large? That's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, there's, there are, let me, let me back up. I, I have a, ultimately, uh, I have been talking with uh, ministerial colleagues, I'll put it that way who have, you know, the, the concerns are, of course, they've, the IMC in particular, the Interdenominational Ministerial Coalition has uh, made some public statements and things of that sort. Um, they happen to be one of my clients. Uh, the, the other organizations that really ha- are in a position to have said something or done something, in my opinion, have not, uh, and have not really taken, taken the lead. One of the things I've heard many of my colleagues we've been talking about, of course, and this is something that Shake and I have had this conversation about, the young legs out here doing their thing. Um, and that we're excited to see that, proud of them. Um, and of course, you know, our biggest concern was of course, direction and focus and purposefulness rather than chaos and just, you know, shouting, you know, say her name, things of that sort. There's gotta be, some kind of purposeful, meaningful consequence or, or, or intentional 
uh, action that moves us in a direction for some resolution. So that's been part of the conversation that I and many of my colleagues in the ministry world have had. Uh, many, right now, most of them are focused most squarely on this election um, and trying to pull together efforts. There's, a, there's actually a Zoom video, a Zoom conference call tomorrow, trying to mobilize 100 churches across the state, uh, focusing on getting people uh, to the elections. I'm going to be writing a piece for the American Baptist uh, on the uh, opportunities and options for voting and trying to encourage with solutions about how to uh, mobilize people to vote, particularly given that we have early voting as a real option, right. here, which begins, uh, I believe, on October the 13th. And you get three weeks to early vote. So, you know, talking about mobilizing churches to use the vans, church vans that have been uh, basically immobilized for the, as a result of, the, of COVID. Right. There's not, I haven't heard a lot from them about the uh, Breonna Taylor case and the other things that are going on around. Because I think that they, they see what's going on in the streets and they're like, well, let's, let's let them do what they're doing. And when we are needed, we will step up. And now there have been a lot of, and, I, and I'm really proud of them, I've been in my colleagues, a lot of their sermons have been dealing with the issue of racism and institutional racism and calling, um, uh, speaking truth to power, addressing their other so-called, and I say so-called Christians, who are in what, what would be considered the evangelical movement. There's been a lot of uh, conversation about their response to what's going on. Um, and so I really don't think that there's been a lot of movement in that area, in, the, in this area around things like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And I, I wanted to make this comment too, because I, I actually... Uh, thinking back over all of these events that have transpired, and of course, I've watched these murders happening for years. I mean, this is something that is, I mean, you want to talk about a pandemic? This is a pandemic that's been taking place for years. I'd never forget that one instance. I cannot remember the man's name, but I can find it. The young man, the young black man who was murdered by, by transit police in New York. And he was handcuffed, laying face down, on the platform and one of the police officers drew his weapon and killed him, shot him in the back. Yeah. Um, and that's been probably maybe eight, nine years ago. So, you know, these cases are, are epidemic in proportion as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <clears throat> so, and I also thought about uh, the George Floyd case being a firebrand. I mean, it literally sparked all this. I don't think that the Breonna Taylor case would have, have gained as much traction had it not been for the firebrand of the George Floyd case. Right. And I'm reminded of, of the value and the power of video and the, the visceral response that so many people, those white mothers out in Portland, Oregon, right, who have stood up and went out and protested with their children uh, because they watched this man be murdered on television for no reason whatsoever. And we've seen many other instances. So 
I cannot really tell you that there's a lot of things going on. There's not a lot of movement uh, in the faith community around this issue. Uh, I think that they're narrowly focused on the more political issue that's going on right now because they understand, uh, and I think all of us understand, that much of what's happening has been enabled because of what's going on in the highest levels of leadership in this country. Yeah. These things, you know, the, um, the hubris of police is simply a mimic of the hubris of the White House and other leadership uh, platforms. So, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling that they can do this with impunity come from other, from higher levels Absolutely. of leadership. So the, the focus in, in the faith community has been on changing that leadership and speaking truth to power and calling, dare I say it, calling their quote unquote religious colleagues a liar uh, about what they say in, in their sermons. Uh, it's kind of hard to look at these people who call themselves evangelical Christians and even call them Christians at all. Well, listen, Gary, that's another show and we definitely gonna, <laughs> go, we're gonna get you back for that one. Because <laughs> that's the reality. We, it, we, you know, you said something really poignant there. It, and, I, and I totally understand why there is a focus on the voting. Because one thing about our show, we are hammering that point away. We have to vote in this election. We are not just voting for a president or a senator or a representative. We are literally voting for our lives on so many levels. And mm -hmm. it has come down to that. It is, you're voting for your life. And, and so, the soul of this country. Yeah, so if you, don't, if you don't look at it that way, if you can't see it that way, you're making a massive mistake in understanding uh, what's going on in our country right now. So I completely agree with you. And by the way, the name of the young man that you're thinking of is Oscar Grant. 22-year-old uh, African-American man that was killed on New Year's Day, by the way, uh, by Officer uh, Johannes uh, Messerell, I think his name. I can never pronounce his last name. Uh, so shout out to Nice Graves for uh, uh, giving us that information over in the chat. But uh, I, listen, I want to I want to wrap this show by asking you all this question, um, and 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 thank you guys for jumping on live with us today. Uh, for such an important moment. Um, I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start off and set the precedent for this, for what I'm going to ask. My question is, what now, as a result of everything that happened yesterday with the settlement of this, that, and the other? And my answer to what now is, it has never been more critical that Attorney General Daniel Cameron do the right thing and bring charges. And I'm gonna say it that way. Cause I, I, again, I struggle with the fact that there's evidence to fire, there's evidence to pay settlement, but, there, but, but you can't see the evidence to bring charges. That doesn't make sense to me. That's just not logical sense. So if there is, so to my statement, if there is evidence to fire, and if there's evidence to pay settlement, there has to be some evidence to bring some measure of charge. Now, now let's be real. It may not be the charges that we want. You think about the Botham John case. Uh, that was not the charges that probably in our all of our minds 
uh, it should have been or what we wanted. Because uh, in our minds, that's just plain old simple murder, murder one. But legally, it probably wasn't murder one. You know what I mean? In the in the legal sense of things, it may not have been murder one. But something, there should be a charge here. There was a crime committed. And so I'd like to see, I personally would like to see my what now is that the charges will come and they'll come swiftly. Let's not keep dragging this on. Because I think the longer it drags on, the longer it's not expedited, the the the, the more heightened the emotions get. And, I, and I'll tell you something. I really feel like yesterday pushed the emotion to another level because people are really, truly feeling a way about this. So I'll let the lady uh, go first here. Your, what is your what now as it relates to what happens next or what you'd like to see happen next in this particular case? And then we'll go to Benny and then Gary and Shake. I'll let you close it out. I agree with you, um, Spence. Um, I, re I agree with everything that you said. Um, what I would like to see happen. I would like to see some accountability um, happen. Um, I don't think money shows that you're um, that the city's being held accountable that the police department is being held accountable I think I don't I'm not sure that money is the answer um, but I really would like to see uh, the police officers be held police officers be held accountable uh swiftly um nationwide it seems like every time there's a black person that's killed then then we want to they want to drag their feet when it comes to charges and everything but it just seems i mean and i and i could be wrong but it just seems like when you're a person of color then all of a sudden we got the red tape then all of a sudden we trying to get the evidence. Then all of a sudden, it's like you know, it's a, it's a it's a slow boat when it comes to uh, African Americans, people of color, um, in these type of situations. Um, I just I just want to see more police officers be held accountable. They need to go to jail like they would expect anyone else for 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 crimes that are even they ain't even near this type of crime that get quickly thrown in jail. So I, I, I think that they need to be, um, we need to see some more swift accountability. Benny. Well, the first thing on my list would be a, a change on November 3rd. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I would like, next on my list, I would like, these, I'm not listening to these necessarily in terms of priorities, but I'd like to see more good police officers hold bad police officers accountable. Yes. Boom. Yes. That's a great. You know, we always hear about, you know, there's, you know, that there's always a few bad apples uh, in every barrel. Well, I would just like to see those good apples stand up and hold these, and hold those people accountable. 
frankly, I think there are more bad people, bad cops than anybody wants to acknowledge. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that most of them try to do a pretty good job. Uh, the other thing is that I hope this is a wake up call for the black community, because I think it, in some respects, it's, it's some of us have felt like the civil rights movement ended in the 1960s, and yeah. it did not. We made some significant gains in the 1960s, but that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. And, you know, there's a, a I think that there's been a real complacency in our community, and it, it, this is our fault. You know, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, a lot of us, you know, we took advantage of those took advantage of those gains that we got in the '60s, and you know, we got into colleges and got graduated and got jobs, and you know, moved around, got promoted, and got we got fat and lazy, and we thought everything was cool. Yeah, and that's just where they wanted us to be. Mm -hmm. You know, mission accomplished. Well, as we, you know, it just it just wasn't the case, not at all. And I, I you know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've had the opportunity to live in a lot of different communities, and I've seen this complacency set in. And you know, coming from the deep south, you know, I've, it was it was very different than other places that I that I've lived. I came up in the, in the 60s and you know the Little Rock Central crisis and stuff like that so you know I had a I, I lived in Hot Springs 50 miles from Little Rock you know I was a young kid but I remember it but I came up with in, you know with in the backdrop of that and where there was a very vital vibrant civil rights community in where I lived and you know much of my career has been in the deep south almost 10 years in Mississippi and frankly I got here and with the exception of Lewis that was it yeah that was it and then when Lewis died there was just nothing you know, I'm not saying that some people didn't, weren't doing some things, but it, it wasn't very visible. What, what we're experiencing here did not happen overnight. This has been, this has been building. And, you know, this community should have been holding the police department and city hall responsible and accountable uh, a, a long time ago, a long time ago. I remember when those I made reference to those kids who were getting shot in the West End, uh, you know, earlier. That was, uh, I got here in 1997, so it was the early 2000s when that, that outbreak happened. I don't remember any great outcry from anybody. And I, I just, I, you know, we did that series and there was very little reaction from the black community, to be honest. If we had done that series in Jackson, Mississippi, I guarantee you there would have been a reaction. Guarantee you that from the black community. So I, 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 I would love. I, I, I just hope this is the wake up call. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll echo 
many of the things that Benny said, and that is, I think that the single most important thing that we need um, is not only the change on, on November 3rd, but and to me, that's absolutely essential. It has to happen. And we yeah. have to mobilize every, every resource that we have uh, to make that happen. The second, and this again, there's no, no particular order, but uh, I really do believe just as they used to have, and still in some cases had mandatory <laughs> minimum sentencing for crack cocaine possession, there needs to be mandatory minimum sentencing for police officers who are found to have acted recklessly that injured or uh, and that resulted in injury or loss of life. Yeah. Uh, Philando Castile is probably one of the most flagrant issues or instances. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't even, they didn't stop the car because of him. So he was a passenger in the vehicle. Mm. So I, I believe there should be mandatory minimum sentencing for any instance in which a person is uh, injured or a loss of life for police officers who act recklessly or maliciously for that matter. So uh, to me that, see, when you, when you impose those kinds of, uh, of um, issue, uh, impose those kinds of, 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 of stop gaps or measures, it, it tends to, it's like, it tends to keep some people honest who would otherwise act dishonestly because nobody makes locks to keep dishonest people from breaking in because a thief is gonna break a lock. You know, a lock is made to make basically honest people stay honest, so or behave in an honest way. So, because you know, a thief is going to break the lock. A basically honest person is going to, you know, the lock removes the issue of temptation from them. So, I think if you impose these kinds of measures, that mandatory minimum sentencing with the lowest possible burden of proof, uh, especially when you have video evidence. You know, that I think would address some of the issues. And I do agree that this needs to be um, a wake-up call for the African-American community. I also believe that we need to change the way we talk, the way we speak about ourselves. Mm. We are not people of color. Now, although I understand what that means, I get that. We're Black people, we're brown people, and we need to be very specific. The language is so absolutely critical. And if we don't call uh, what we hear and what we say to task, if we don't hold that, uh, our language and our use of language accountable, then those people who are, who really dictate how the, how the narrative is put together, dictate what you say. I'll never forget one of my professors, my, I'll never forget his name, Michael Kirkhorn, professor, journalist, in school of journalism, he was a teacher's top magazine writer. He said one time, which was actually one of the key reasons why I chose not to pursue journalism as a career. He said, journalists don't tell you what to think. He said, journalists tell you what to think about. And at, at, at 20 years old, when I heard that, I thought, well, what the heck is the difference? If all you show me, if you give me two, it's two pictures of blue and say, which, one, the, which one's blue? So, my, you know, we have to be careful and we have to make sure that we uh, control our own narrative. And we need, to, we need more publications. We need more shows like this. 
We need uh, people like Benny, who's got the experience to guide the new uh, and mentor the new generation of journalists, especially in this age uh, where you can do it at a low transaction cost. Um, so that that those are things I'd like to see. But mandatory minimum sentencing for police officers who behave and act recklessly or with malicious intent and result that results in injury, whether it's emotional, physical, or death, I think has to be put in place. I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot, Gary. Shake, take us home. When Benny was speaking, and of course, Gary, you know, and even uh, Kenyatta, it came across to me that um, there's a lot of things that are to be desired in terms of changes. And there are a lot of efforts that are taking place from a lot of different areas and a lot of different groups, a lot of different people. But it occurs to me um, like this. The first thing we need is better training for all of these police officers. Secondly, we need better vetting. Um, you know what a guy is capable of when you meet him. You know, you, you know. Let's let's be real. A lot of these officers, when you look at when you go when they go back in their history and they go back in their the hiring process, they say, "Oh, he showed this propensity towards so and so and so, or he had this in his past, or well, then he shouldn't have been an officer." Um, so that, then you need to me, you need more real time consequences. There's a there's a solid level of protection for every police officer, no matter what they do. There's a level of protection that, and they know it's there. They know that I can murder this play, person and say, I fear for my life. I can murder somebody else and throw drugs in their car. I can murder this person who had no drugs. I didn't fear for my life. They didn't do anything wrong. But then after I murder him, I'm going to dig up everything I possibly can that he did 30 years ago yeah. to, 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 to cause public opinion to crucify this person. Mm -hmm. So they know that there's all these mechanisms, all these protections that are in place that all they have to do after they murder someone is, is deal with any of them. So for me, um, uh, Benny, the other thing you said, which for me was completely true, um, so that it's always said that there, man, there's, there's, there's a lot more good officers than there are bad. And I often go, well, where are they? <laughs> because, right. you know, uh, I say this a lot. My worst examples of police officers weren't white guys. Now I've had some really bad experiences with white police officers, but my worst were the guys that I grew up around in Louisville, Kentucky. And I won't say their names, but you know, I knew three or four guys, black police officers. You didn't get pulled over by them. You, you didn't get in their car because by the time you got to the police station, your nose was gonna bro be broken, your arms loud would be broken. You're gonna be jacked up in some kind of way. Uh, but I, the last thing I'll say is this the kids and these young people and these mothers that are on the front line 
desperately need the Bennies. They need the Garys. They need the leadership in Louisville. Um, and I'm certainly not calling them out, but you need people like, um, what's the, the almost billionaire black guy there? Um, oh, um, Junior, Junior Bridgman. Yeah, you need Junior Bridgman. You need Winston Pittman. You need people of financial means that have a name in the community, that have a name not just in the community, but in the business community, just to, to come alongside some of these guys and give them some real-time guidance, some real-time wisdom, some real-time experience and say, hey, here's how we need to go about this. Because the problem that I'm having is not that the woman, the family settled, that's not it. The problem I'm having is what happens when I'm sleeping in my home and they mistake my house for somebody else's with, a, with whatever and come in and kill me or kill my son or kill my wife. Right. You know, this is a world issue. It's not just Louisville. And it never was just Louisville. Louisville happened to be the linchpin. It happened to be the, the, the case that everybody started paying attention to. So to me, there's a, there's, it's so much deeper than the little, the few little answers we have, but it definitely starts to me with better vetting, better training, real-time consequences, and essential placement of these officers in the areas that they really need to be in. And I'll, I'll leave with that. No, I think, I think that's good, man. And, and, and really everything I've heard here today from all of you guys has just been stellar. Uh, a couple of things, I'll close with this, and, and, and I'm going to give Gary his props on this because he said this to me uh, in the chat, and, and, it's, and it's one of the quotes that I've had forgot. It's one of those ones you know, but you forgot. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And I think that applies to both what we're seeing uh, in this case, but also what is happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And, uh, and then even down the street uh, with, this, with the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the majority leader of the Senate, you know, Mitch McConnell, it, it, we're seeing a corruption of monumental proportions. And, and normally that corruption is not new but where it's gotten bizarre is that now it's become racial. Now it's, it's, it's always been financial, but it's racial, financial, and it's creating an emotional, mental challenges. It is as bad as we've ever seen it. We've got to vote. We got to vote. I can't stress this enough. You're voting for your life now. It's, it's what do you want your life to be? What do you want your kid's life to be? You're voting for your life at this point you're voting i think gary said this you're voting for the soul of america and you know what do you want the america to look like and so i um i just think that's so so critical guys guys i want to thank you benny i want to thank you gary i want to thank you of course to the team i want to thank you we are we uh we actually will not be on tomorrow uh but we will be on live on friday with a massive massive announcement uh, we are super excited. We're gearing up for that. So we're going to take uh, Thursday off so we can gear up for the big announcement on Friday. So tune in. Uh, we'll be live Friday, actually. We'll be live again on Friday. So tune in live Friday. Uh, we'll be here. And uh, we want to continue to use this platform for moments like this 
Uh, this is such an important conversation. And, and we wanted to kind of help people make sense of what happened yesterday. Because I noticed there were a lot of emotions yesterday in regards to what took place. So I'm glad I can bring on the wisdom of uh, Benny and Gary and, and, of course, my team here uh, with Talking Noise to kind of bring some clarity to all this. So thank you all for joining in today. We are going to take a 47-hour break <laughs> and come back and do it all over again on Friday with our huge announcement. You don't want to miss that. Uh, we got some special guests that are going to join us on Friday as well. So uh, be there with us. Kieta, thank you, Shake. Thank you, Gary, Benny. Thank you. Love all of you. And uh, we, as we like to say here when we sign off, we out this piece. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. All right. <laughs>on the Noise Media Entertainment Channel. N-O-I-Z, Noise Media Entertainment. Well, we'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, keep making noise. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.